I do need to set up this rings DB because I don't have my cards. Yeah, I don't either. I don't have enough time to dig no, them out. Neither did I. And, so I, just go. and I thought, well, I'll just do it on I'll do it on the tablet. And it was flat of battery. So I've flat of battery. That's very Lord <laughs> of the Rings way to say. <laughs> it was flat of battery. So I've I've re- resorted to I've got I've got I've got dongles left, right, and centre. Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings the card game. My name's John, and too long has he sat in the shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. It's my good friend Emery. Hello, John. (laughs) That was exceptionally difficult to get out. (laughs) Is that... that, That's from the book. That's from the book, but it is paraphrased in the film. It's It's about Aragorn. Uh, no, 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 this one is, um, it's when Gandalf is saying to Theodred, oh, oh sorry, Theoden, yeah. Theoden, that uh, too long as he sat in the shadows and listened to the poison of, uh, of Grima, basically, and he's, he's, he's going to release him. But uh, I knew, I knew what I wanted to say about you sitting in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I thought, I'm still unreleased at yeah. that point. <laughs> There's no Gandalf knocking on my door. Uh, and I thought I'd go to the book and I'd, I'd find the uh, the original quote because I, I remember it being quite poetic. But uh, I, I, I actually, as I started saying it, I thought maybe I'd bitten off more than I could chew. Well, I was about to ask you to say it again, <laughs> but maybe that's too cruel. No, no, no. no. Okay, okay. No, I, I, I rehearsed it enough. I'm sure I could do it again. <laughs> it's, the, it's the one bit of this podcast that I rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> um, not that anyone no, can tell no. <laughs> too long have you sat in the shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings oh crooked prompting that is a fine turn of phrase isn't it yeah written by a master <laughs> yeah not bad <laughs> yeah not bad, not bad. <laughs> that whole i think we spoke about Ferdin before and his journey yeah it's possibly one of my favorite things in the whole story I think I love I love how they did that in the film where there's a lovely just little moment when after he's been released and then Gandalf sitting where Grima yep. was and he's trying to convince him to go to war or, or and and his hand is in the same place that Grima's yeah was yeah. and he just he feared and notice it and you can see exactly you know that's good filmmaking for me you know you just absolutely you don't have to say it it's just you, you know exactly what he's thinking you know he's, he's paranoid about exactly. being who, who about crooked prompting yeah, who is he taking counsel from <laughs> and why yeah, exactly. why should he believe this this uh tongue or indeed worm tongue <laughs> i mean the clue <laughs> isn't the name really isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if he wasn't called Wormtongue, which is obviously enough, he's called Grimer. As well. It's like Jesus. Yeah, I think I'll take, I'll take some advice from this guy. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who played Grima Wormtongue is, uh, is is that Brad Dur- Brad Dourif? Is that yeah. yeah? He was in um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's That's Nest. That's right. Yeah, and the lady just passed away. Actually, the one who played Nurse Ratched, who's one of the I know everyone says it, but it's true. Is one of the great screen kind of villains of all yeah. time that's what that's one of my favorite films and one of my favorite books actually the book is unbelievable it's sensational. yeah it's, it's really yeah. a terrific book yeah um i actually haven't read it since i was at school 
um, where, where I foolishly decided I'd do a, uh, a study of psychology. And, and we, we were given that as a, as a book to read as a sort of introduction into sort of the history of, of, of psychology. And then a massive tome of actual science. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the yeah. fun bit. Oh, this is, this is, oh, is going to be great. <laughs> um, and then I soon dropped out of that class. Yeah, no, that was the end of that. CG in that first yeah, we team. read a, we read a great book. We actually watched the film as well. I thought this is going to be easy street, and it turns out that there's a whole science in there. I'd I'd say we talk about Lord of the Rings and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think they're two of the best films made of adapted from books that I've seen. Where, where I've read the book and seen the film, normally yeah, ninety nine times out of hundred, the books better. Yeah. And I'd even say the book is better on both of those, oh, yeah, just because the yeah. books are so good. Yeah. But I think there are two occasions where the, the film, I don't, those films could not have been made possibly any better than they were made, if you know what I mean. I thought One Flew of Cookies Nest, it really captured, I really felt I was in the book, actually, when I was watching that film. It was a real, yeah, real masterwork, I think. And isn't Brad Dourif, it's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his surname correctly, he's also, isn't he the voice of Chucky? And actually, the book, the the books <laughs> of uh, Charles Play <laughs> are actually amazing. No, I've I've never seen any of those Chucky films. I've seen adverts for them, and I've seen, I know what it looks like, and I thought that is not for no. Me. Well, I know you're not a massive horror <laughs> fan, but what you should do uh, if you've got a spare sort of ninety minutes and you just want a bit of a wild ride is jump to some of the later ones where it's just it's not horror at all it's just silliness like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky they are absolutely Seed of yeah. Chucky I don't remember well, anything about yeah. that basically where your mind went is correct <laughs> oh no <laughs> I thought I was just making some seedy joke in inverted commas but yeah it's actually true. Um, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, 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 I'll uh, put that on the list. <laughs> keep keep it quite low it. down. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, well, talk, talking of uh, of great adaptations of books on screen, since we've been away, and we have been away from the airways for an awful long time, we're not going to... Uh, we, we can't hide that elephant in the room um just uh, we we've both been incredibly busy 2022 has been a year of ups and downs for both of us so uh, uh but dear listen do not fear we are not retiring this podcast we record basically whenever we get the possibility to do so at the moment that is about once every three months it's true time is passing for us like it does for elves yes Hopefully that doesn't slip to Ents, because otherwise... <laughs> I'm quite Entish in many ways. But yeah, we have been away a long time. Um, but, hope, well, no, let's not make any promises. No. But I think we should, should, he says, be able to record a bit more regularly going forward. But I think we said that before as we, well. We, we we've attempted that before, but uh, as this year has proven, we, we absolutely should not make uh, any more false promises. <laughs> And you started that by saying, talking of adaptations. Oh, yeah. I was going to say... What, what could you possibly have had well, in mind? Well, since we've been away, <laughs> the Sandman adaptation has been released, which we've both been excited for for many, many moons. Yes. I thought you were going to go somewhere else, actually. Yes. But yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> I know where you thought we were going to go. 
<laughs> we'll go there in a second. But I just thought I'd mention Sandman because uh, you said about two fantastic adaptations of uh, book to screen. And we won't go into depth right, Sandman, because, of course, we are a Lord of the Rings podcast and we mustn't go too far into our other passions. But I think people are aware that we both love that book very, very much. And we were both, uh, let's say, a little bit trepidation trepidation <laughs> scared <laughs> of what netflix might do to it and it was well it was treated with absolute respect and it really was a joy to watch from start to finish to be honest yeah i was really pleasantly surprised yeah and what a, yeah after the first few minutes i was just completely captivated and drawn into it and I really wasn't making conscious comparisons with um, while I was watching yeah. it, you know, with with, with the comics or yeah. anything. But um, yeah, I thought they did it really superbly. Actually, I love the changes they made as well. I thought they all worked, yeah, really beautifully. Personally, um, yeah, yeah, highly recommended. And I really hope they get the, all of the series. Done. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> about seven series. <laughs> well, the thing is, they've got a lot to cover. But then I look about how much we've got to cover, and I think, well, do you know what? People can take their time. <laughs> Get it right. That's what I let's, say. Let's have a competition. Let's have a race. <laughs> What's going to finish first? Us going through <laughs> all of the cycles, Lord, Lord of the Rings, the card game, versus them being able to make all series of the Sandman. Yeah, race. I think we've already lost that. <laughs> Could be tight. <laughs> we've already lost it. It takes, takes them a year and a half to make a series. <laughs> um, <Yeah>, non starter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you thought I was going to mention a different adaptation. So pray tell, Em, what, what did you think I might be mentioning? Well, of course, there's that Game of Thrones. Show. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've only seen the first episode of it anyway. Um, well, of course, The Rings of Power came out uh, a few weeks ago. I think we're. I think I just last night watched the latest episode, which I think is number... Five, number six. I can't quite recall top of my head. But yeah, have you seen well, any of those? Yeah. No, you can see from my blank expression. Uh, I've not seen a single moment of it. <laughs> uh, oh. No. Um, basically, at the moment, I do not subscribe to Amazon Prime. And I Amazon is not my favorite company on the planet. And I do not really want another uh, subscription TV package. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, of course, Disney, <laughs> as you know, we cannot cancel. <laughs> they are uh, good as gold when it comes to corporations. <laughs> 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 um, no, but I really don't want to subscribe to Amazon again. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for the series to finish probably. And then I will try and get maybe a free month of Prime and then just blitz it. That's my. That's probably the best. That's way. my plan yeah. because I really do not want to get stuck with another subscription. I mean, I'm tempted. Don't get me wrong. I've been hovering over the uh, the purchase now button, but uh, yeah, no. I'd wait. Yeah, I'd wait then. Wait till all the episodes. I think there's. It's either eight or ten. I think I can't so. remember. Yeah, I think it's very doable in a in a free month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just binge it over a couple of days, and you know. Um, but what have you what have you thought so far then? Because I've actually really managed to avoid. I've seen lots of headlines coming through, and I've managed to avoid clicking any of them to get anyone's sort of opinion on the show. Uh, but as we are here, 
tell me in no uncertain terms what's your gut reaction i think my initial reaction when i saw the first episode or two was well first of all it's beautifully made that's a good start um so it looks fantastic i think you know some of the visuals you know are, are similar to the lord of the rings films in terms of you know some of the set design and that sort of thing but overall as a piece um i think it's got better as it's gone on uh, i'll be honest with you i think the first couple of episodes i thought were decent but weren't kind of mind-blowing or anything like that and then it's it's starting to get more and more the story's getting more interesting yeah. as it's gone on so without giving too many spoilers about that i think um i guess the only real beef i've got with it is about one or two especially one particular one of the characterizations in it but i won't go into that because i don't want to spoil it for anybody or, or taint anyone's view until it's kind of finished and then i'll ruin it <laughs> but uh, but um but you know, but that's just it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's enjoyable. You know, I, you know, it's not, it's, it's nothing like the level of you know Lord yeah. of the Rings or anything yeah. like that. But it was never going to be, I, I guess. It's kind of fun to be back in that world. But um, oh, the, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait till the end to make my judgment. Up that's there. interesting. You say that it's fun to be back in that world because I think it's no. Um, secret that that i have a bit of a problem with the hobbit prequels from peter jackson the hobbit prequels they're not prequels they're films about the hobbit <laughs> films of the hobbit they're prequels to lord of the rings um and you i'm not going to repeat this we've mentioned it ad nauseum on this podcast that it's i'm going to repeat it i'm going to repeat it it's too long <laughs> should have just been one film it should have kept simple um they shouldn't have made it how they made it I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. Yeah. However, one comment I have always made is it is enjoyable to spend more time in that world, in that Peter Jackson-styled Middle Earth. I do enjoy the time I spend there when I'm watching The Hobbit, but I just don't need to spend another 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say, even on that, though, I would say there are certain things in The Hobbit which were done better in Lord of the Rings. Like I felt in The Hobbit, oh, and, and well, I think I defended it on, on this podcast some while back when I, when I rewatched them. Everything's done better in Lord of the Rings than in The Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> but just weird things like, I think sometimes, and this happens in Rings of Power as well, it's just little things. It just sounds so ridiculous when I say it, but things like they're trying to show some amazing scene or amazing visual. And they're like, you know when they do that thing where they kind of overblow the whites Oh like, yeah, they yeah, oversaturate yeah. the whites and stuff. You know, like um, even Spielberg did that in a whole bunch of his films in the two thousands, didn't he? And I don't know, just it just seems a bit. It makes it feel more fantastical than real. Yeah, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I, and and I think that's one thing they really really nailed in Lord of Rings was okay. Obviously, it's some fantasy world, but it felt gritty and earthy, and even though it had these obviously these beautiful set pieces yeah. as well. You really got to feel that it was a real place yeah. with a huge geography. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely agree with that completely. Yeah. And, and that's really hard to do, actually, to do that well. And I think they kind of did it in the in the Hobbit, but not quite as well. And they've kind of done it in Rings of Power, but not quite as well. In in my in my uh, opinion. Well, the thing with the Hobbit is that why I <laughs> There we go. Here we go. I I would have loved it to have been one film, and it could have been quite a long film, but it could I'd loved it to have been one film. And I wouldn't have minded it feeling 
a bit more, well, for want of a better word, a family movie. Well, yeah, just a, a sort of a fantasy piece. So, because yeah, a fun adventure, exactly, film. and because because that's what a book is. <laughs> and even inside Lord of the Rings, the story of the Hobbit is Bilbo's recollection of it. So it could still be this. This crazy thing with there's, there's songs sung by goblin kings, <laughs> not David Bowie, um, <laughs> throughout it, and have all that. But and they did have that in the Hobbit movies, but they also tried to mix in these really sort of kind of like heavy, serious angles, which were you know kind of trying to appeal to that Lord of the Rings audience in the same sort of way as you're discussing now, like that real sort of gritty. Yeah hard world but in amongst songs not by david bowie as the goblin king <laughs> no I, I i totally agree so i think one thing we said before and this is where the sandman for example succeeded we've mentioned this before as well i think the key things always to capture the spirit of that source material and if you really dive into it and you and you get that then somehow by some kind of weird magic that does translate onto the yeah. screen. That's what happened with Lord of the Rings. And I think with The Hobbit, why it didn't quite do that is exactly what, why you say, because it isn't an extension of Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. It was, well, it was obviously written before Lord of the Rings, and it's very much more a book aimed at a younger audience. Well, I think it was, it, it was written for Tolkien's son, I think. Oh, was it? Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, you know, it's, And it reads like that. And I think if you're going to really do it faithfully, then that's how you'd portray it, I think. And... That, that's not to, and that wouldn't belittle it at all. It would then become more like, I know this is a bit of a, a an old phrase now, because I guess we don't really have these things anymore, but it would have been genuinely like a family film, like you used to yeah. get, which used to mean that, yeah, okay, it's going to appeal to children and and adults, you know, in, in equal measure. And that's some of the biggest blockbusters, I guess, when we were growing up, were very much those kind of family yeah, type films. Absolutely. And I think it really would have worked as something like that. It's a simple story, you know, The Hobbit, and you see the you can see Bilbo's journey and how he grows throughout it. And you could have just focused on that. You didn't need to have all that stuff with the neuromancer or necromancer, whatever it's called, and, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't really... It didn't. You're right, it didn't need that extra... It was cool to see everybody again. See the old, see the old crew, did, you know. Did, did, you just, did you just call the necromancer the neuromancer? I did. <laughs> was he, make, was no, it, not was like he making... No, not like a neuromantic, <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, Bowie the Goblin King. <laughs> Did he have a flock of seagulls haircut? <laughs> you romantic. Yeah. You could actually probably get away with it, couldn't you? Being a new romantic and <laughs> oh, depends how far you go. Oh, anyway, the necromancer but... from now on will be known as the new romancer. Yeah. But for new romancer is that novel by uh is that cyberpunk novel, right? Um oh, what's the guy's name? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, famous one inspired a whole bunch of that whole cyberpunk movement. I don't know. Um, okay, <laughs> it'll come to me. <laughs> Somebody listening to this will know what I'm talking about. I hope so. As in neuro, as in neuros and uh... brains, N-E-U-R-A, so not new romancer. <laughs> Gibson, something Gibson. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Steve Gibson? Good book. <laughs> Memorable. Really stuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did just remind me of something else. Then what was it though? That's gone from my brain. See, this is this is the way this is going to go. 
Well, you did mention subscriptions. No. <laughs> I have something to say about that. <laughs> go, go on then. While you think. So, uh, obviously, my ongoing saga with cancelling my Disney subscription, I was literally, I was hovering like you were almost buying the Amazon one. I was about to delete the Disney one because I thought, I've seen it, everything I need to have. I'm not that overly interested in the Star Wars stuff anymore, really, yeah. whatever. I remember I and then I texted you. I said, "Look, is there anything decent I haven't seen yet on Disney?" And you said, "Well, have you watched the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer?" <laughs> I said, "No." <laughs> he said, "Well, you should watch that. It's like 170 episodes or whatever it is." So uh, I was like, "Well, I don't know." Um, and you convinced me. You said, "Watch the first few. Yeah. You know, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't." So then, fast forward. About a month and a half, I'm on like halfway through season five. <laughs> and, uh, and since then, I've now completed it. I watched the entire series in about three oh, months or two and a half months or something. Ridiculous. Very, very impressive. And I thought it wasn't going to appeal to me at all. I thought it was just going to be some kind of, you know, teen, boring kind of thing. But you know what? It was, I don't know, I told you this, but it. It made me laugh out loud, almost without fail, every single episode. It was so well written and so well put together and so tongue in cheek about what it's doing. Yeah. And it's not my, you know, I'm not into like vampires and like, you know, high school stuff or whatever. But that it was it was really, really, really good. So uh, thank you, John. That was a good recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> and I still haven't cancelled my business. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, no, well, we we could. Well, I certainly could uh, do a whole new podcast about Buffy. I mean, for me, it's up there with one of the greatest TV shows of all time. But as you are aware, that is my opinion. That's why I pushed you to. Yeah. to I, I wasn't just working for Disney and decided to find what was the what show has the yeah. most number of episodes. Hold on a minute. Hold on a second. So you're saying watch this entire series on Disney, but don't go to Amazon because they're evil. Maybe you do work, but mm. <laughs> I just uh, figured something out. But, um, I would say I would say one last thing I'll say on that as well is there is one episode of that which I thought hands down is honestly one of the greatest like forty minutes of TV I've ever seen. It was incredible. Um, but again, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But it was one in series five. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful bit of podcasting that is. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> So it's worth going through the first five seasons just to get to that one. <laughs> and then you'll know. I actually think it would work as a standalone piece, to be honest. You could not know anything about it and watch that, and it would work. It's such a... Oh, yeah, it was quite wonderful. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right, well, after that review of a single episode of Buffy... <laughs> of which I said nothing, apart from it was really good... <laughs> Um, shall we move on oh, to... The episode's called The Body. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. I just oh, I knew which one you were talking about. I thought you just didn't okay. even want to... <laughs> well, just in case. Yeah. You know how much I hate spoilers. There might be one in a million chance somebody somewhere is going to at some point watch this defunct show that ran from 1997 or whatever it was to 2002 <laughs> and get through all the way to season five and remember... The spoilers, which I said on this random podcast like four years previously. <laughs> but for that one with a million person, uh, it's doing it for you. <laughs> okay. Shall we try and start this podcast? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so this is a non-spoilery episode, especially when it comes to Buffy episodes, but also when it comes to Lord of the Rings, the card game. Um, so we will be discussing some player cards, and we will be discussing player cards from the Dwarado cycle. And I think today we are going to take a look at all of the leadership cards that come in that cycle. So, where shall we begin today? Am um, should we should we go should we go old school? Should we go old school and go through all the allies first, and uh, and then move on to the attachments and the events like we used to? Yeah, <laughs> I guess the other. What was the other? Oh, we used to do ra- random 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 shuffle. Random. Oh, well, I think it's just leadership. Maybe let's do it in some kind of logical order this time. <laughs> Okay, well, you've come to the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with allies. Let's go with allies. Okay, okay. Uh, would you like to pick? Well, actually, I think that we only have two allies. No, 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 no. There's three allies. Three allies. So. Well, there's, there's one who I really like. Start with that one. Let's start with that one? Okay. All right, we're going to go straight in with the Longbeard Elder. Oh, yes. So, uh, it's a dwarf. He costs three. Quest for two. Hits for one. Got shield of one. Got two hit points. And he has a response. After Longbeard Elder commits to a quest, look at the top card of the encounter deck. If that card is a location, press one progress token on the current quest. Otherwise, Longbeard Elder gets minus one... Uh, Will what's, what's the word? Minus one... Uh, otherwise, Longbeard Elder gets minus. <laughs> uh, do, 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 Out of practice here. Do the do the response again because I think you said press one progress token as well rather than place. <laughs> but I'll, but I think you should press it just for press it down because it's so satisfying. Okay, so he has a response. After Longbeard Elder commits to a quest, look at the top card of the encounter deck. If that card is a location, press one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What is going on? Alright. <clears throat> That's unprecedented. Ladies and gentlemen, for Longbeard Elder. Okay. <laughs> response. So Longbeard Elder, he has a response. After Longbeard Elder commits to a quest, look at the top card of the encounter deck. If that card is a location, place one progress token on the current quest. Otherwise, Longbeard Elder gets minus one willpower until the end of the phase. Hooray! Hooray. <laughs> so this guy, I really, really, really like this guy. Because, well, you've got two parts to that response. you got, look at the top card of encounter deck. And the second part is, if it's a location, you get to put one progress token on the current quest. Otherwise, Longbeard Elder gets minus one until the end of yeah. the phase on the quest thing, right? But it's really the first part. You get to see what's on top of the encounter exactly. deck. So how I've played this guy before is if I'm committed to a quest, if I've got this guy out, I'll commit him straight away. Look at what's coming from the encounter deck. And then you can essentially plan all of your questing around that. So regardless of even if you get the bonus of um, being able to place one progress token on a current quest, if it's a location, you can you can still plan the rest of your Move. Mm. Now this works. Ah. Uh oh. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> now, you may be playing this slightly wrong. You may be inadvertently cheating here. 
No. But you, yeah, but you may not be as well. So when you say you can plan what else you're going to do, in a, in a way you're correct, as in you will be able to, it's a way of scrying the encounter deck. You're absolutely right there. So you can yeah. see what's coming up next and that's terrific. But it, you could not plan who else to commit to the quest. Because when you commit characters to a quest, everyone exhausts at the same time. You commit everyone at once. So that response happens once everyone is committed to the quest. So you couldn't say, oh, I'm going to commit Longbeard Elder to the quest, exhaust him, look at the encounter deck, and then go, oh, it's only got one threat on it. I will not exhaust anyone else to quest. Or inversely, go, oh my god, I'm going to really need to power through questing. I better now quest a bunch of other characters as well. Everyone has to commit to the quest at once. If okay, this this guy's not my favorite anymore. <laughs> but 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 then, for me, that doesn't make sense of his theming at all because, you know, you look at the card. Here's a guy's gone down. He's got the lantern. He's checking where you're going, right? Well, he's still doing that. And uh, yeah, but it's, uh, um, I don't know. He's still he's still having a little look around. But yeah, after Longbeard Elder commits to a quest, yeah. so you commit to the quest. Look at the top of card of encounter deck. Yeah, but the issue is that you commit every, when you commit characters to a quest, you commit them all at once. I thought you could choose the order, not when in which you no. Commit. So so basically, when you say when you decide who's going to be questing, you decide who's going to be questing, and then they they all they all exhaust, and then all the responses trigger. Uh, and now this is what's interesting because you do still get knowledge dark or otherwise because you you let's say you committed um longbeard elder and aragon original aragon after he commits to a quest you can pay one resource from his resource pool to ready him yeah now those are both responses so let's say you quested longbeard elder and aragon and then you looked at the top of the deck because of Longbeard Elder's response, and it's not an enemy, okay? And you've got no enemies in the staging area. You could then decide, okay, in that case, I won't trigger Aragorn's response because I don't need to spend anything to ready him because I don't need to fight later. I'm not going to be doing anything. So in that respect, you do get a bit of knowledge, so you can plan ahead. So, <laughs> so that part of what you're saying is correct. The only the bit which was incorrect is how you've been playing this guy for the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it only gives you a slight advantage in planning, then, because 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 yeah. after that, all you're doing is traveling or fighting, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what I would say though is, in the fact that this is a response on the Longbeard Elder, is if you have maybe already scribed the encounter deck with Denethor or what was his name, Hanamath, Hanamath. Um, and it's not a location, you could just commit Longbeard Elder to the quest and just not trigger his response. And then you're guaranteed to get his two willpower. Um, yeah, and also if you've used Hanamath and you see it is a location, then you can go, well, I'll definitely quest him and trigger his response. So you, you could also do it that way. Um, I still think he's good, even without the inadvertent cheating. I'd have to play him again. Yeah, bearing that in mind, because because obviously, I've, generally it would be like a you know dwarf deck 
Yeah. Where I'd be uh, playing him. And, and obviously what happens is you end up with a whole bunch... What happens with dwarves is generally you end up with a whole bunch of allies. Yeah, exactly. Out. Um, but he's quite pricey, but I, I like... Uh, his ability is good, and if you don't use it, he can defend, I guess, and he's an extra... He, yeah, I mean, I suppose if you've got Dane on the table, then uh, you're already giving him an extra willpower anyway and an extra attack, is that right, for Dane? So then he's questing for three, and then regardless of what happens, he gets uh, yeah. he will definitely be committing two willpower. Is that right? Dane gives plus one willpower, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, but he'd only lose one, so he'd still be questing yeah, for two. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's good. I think he's good regardless, cheating or otherwise. So so our first one back, and we're already back into the realms of inadvertent Yeah, cheating. it really didn't take long. I thought it might crop up <laughs> at some point because, you know, it's a safe bet. But I didn't know if it would be the very, very first card. Oh, yeah, well, I got all excited. What's your favourite one? It's fastest guy because he's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another nuance of a word. So I guess... Maybe the key word there is after. After Longbeard Elder commits to a quest. Well, no, I think... That's not when. It's not... It's not Well, it's more the fact that when characters commit to the quest, they all commit at once. So it's, you don't go, I'll, I'll commit this one, and then I'll do some responses, and then I'll commit this one, and I'll do an action. It's like, you... Just, that's just the... That's just the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it wouldn't be with actions, but I thought responses... Yeah, I could see that. I could see that being... Uh, yeah, actions obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, all right. Well, there you go. Long bit <laughs> elder committed to the scrapper. Yeah, I was gonna say straight <laughs> in the bin. <laughs> well, why don't you give one a go, John? <laughs> well, okay. Well, I was, I, was, I was gonna say on him as well. I did like. I really liked the theming in the way I was playing it. I think the theming still works. But yeah, he's holding the lantern. He's checking it out for you. And if he takes a bit of a wrong turn, he loses a quest or whatever. But then he's he's saying, "Hey, everyone, let's go this way." Because he's seen the top of the encounter deck. He knows the path. Right? Yeah. He knows what's coming up. Um, anyway, I guess that still works. Yeah, actually. but I think it still works because he's got the... Because actually what's happening is if it's a location, you get to progress the quest. So hang on, let's work out that theme-wise. So he sees that there's a way to go and he he knows yeah. that that's a good... He knows that's a good route or he knows... He's taking us in the correct direction. Yeah, we, we know we're going so the right we, way. We, we get through the so quest. we, we yeah. quest on a bit quicker. I like actually, it. you know what? Another one that could be useful for actually is if you're a bit low on questing and you need to get through your quest card. If you've got a couple of these guys out, or even three of these guys out, you can get free progress on your quest. Yeah, just by committing Absolutely. these guys. Absolutely. Okay? Like if if you so can, that's another way. If to you can it. play this with Hanamath or with Denethor in law, um, then that's Denethor. Denethor. <laughs> you marry Denethor's sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then you really can if you like I say if you get a few of these on the table you can really plow through because if you see it's an enemy or a, a treachery you don't trigger the response then you're getting um two willpower at six least or nine six oh, yeah. and then maybe nine if you've got uh yeah. dane on the table dane. and if it is a location then yeah you're golden you know you're you're gonna really plow through your quest cards yeah, yeah, I I still like him, cheating or otherwise. Okay, <laughs> um, slightly down in my estimation, but he's still up there. He's still going to be a regular. Yeah. I think. Well, in a dwarf deck, you should definitely keep him in for sure. I'm just thinking about all those quests I did. 
when he was absolutely key <laughs> to <laughs> managing the whole game. <laughs> oh, Lord of life. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> just a single tear rolling down your cheek. Yeah, no, just, just there it is. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, who okay, are you well, choosing, I, I will jump to one of my favourites, and perhaps you could tell me how I've been playing him wrong. I, I think it's quite difficult to play this guy wrong. So there is a unique named ally called Aristor, and he is an Noldor, and he costs four. Pretty pricey. Uh, so what do we get for that? We get willpower of two. He hits for nothing. Naught. Ooh. Very good. Um, Defense for one, and has three hit points. So, uh, not too bad. And he has an action. It says, choose and discard one card from your hand to draw one card. Limit once per round. Now, I think, you, well, for a start, you know I love to churn through my decks and draw cards. You know that is fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you might go, ah! Oh, it's, it's pretty pricey and it's only you only get to do it once but what's great about this guy i think is it's just an action that exists there's no exhausting of aristotle it just sits there as an action for whenever you want to play it um and how many times do you play this game and you go oh if only i had uh this card or that card and maybe it's the next card in in, <laughs> in the deck and if only i could just get that now and this card allows you to go, well, at any point during the round, I'm going to get rid of this duff card in my hand and draw another one. And if you if that hasn't happened during the course of each round, you can just do it in that final action window right before the, uh, the, the, the next round starts. And for me, that is worth the price of admission alone, you know, just to be able to keep your hand fresh round after round. It's, it's, for me, it's one extra card. He, he's keeping his hand fresh here. It looks like um, the way the artwork is, like the waterfall in the background's falling on his hand. It, look, it looks to me like someone's stolen his wine. <laughs> or brandy, brandy yeah. yes. <laughs> That's fantastic artwork. There. Yeah, it's beautiful. The guy, you know, the other elf. Yeah, he's obviously holding court here, giving his yeah. wizened opinion. The other good thing about that action as well is I think in leadership, you do have quite a few. That's probably the one where you have the most duff cards because Steward of Gondor, for instance, yep. Calabrian Stone, all of those. There's, there's some others as well, which are kind of unique. Yep. And, you, you know, you tend to put three of them in your deck just to increase your chance of getting them. But then you end up with, you know, two, um, yep. you know, Steward of Gondors, for example, just sitting around for the whole game, just not doing anything. Unless you've got, you know, you can maybe if you've got AON around, you can burn a card or something exactly. like that. But generally, they just sit in your hand, don't they? Yep. And um, this is perfect for something like that. And I think you're right. For the price, it is probably worth it. If you can get them out early, especially, I think, yeah, definitely really worth it. Well, you, you mentioned Stuart of Gondor, of course. That's the leadership staple, of course. So, therefore, there's a high chance that you will have the, the resources to pay for him. Um, so, if you can get him out early, he quests for two, which I think is terrific. So, you can quest with him. He'll be exhausted, but that doesn't mean that his action can't trigger later. I really think... He is super, super handy. Can you trigger his action when he's exhausted? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because... So it doesn't matter whether he's exhausted no, or not. No, Right? So, yeah, the action's just an yeah, action. Exactly. It's, it's, it's yeah. great. It's perfect. I've just seen that, that artwork's by um, 
somebody called Magali Vilner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's done, done it again. again. Madame Vilner. Oh, so, so good. good. Yeah, so good. Very good. Um, okay, yes. So that leaves one more ally. Do you want to dig that one out? With pleasure. Uh, so this is the Dunedain Wanderer. Costs five. <laughs> five. Quest for one. Hits for two. Got shield of two. Got two hit points. Are pretty good stats. He's a Dunedain and a Ranger. And he's ranged and he's Sentinel and... Most importantly, secrecy three, which means if you've got a secrecy deck and you've that you've got minus three on the cost yeah. if you've got twenty or less threat. So in effect, in that instance, he costs two. Yeah. Now, just because I mean, I'm just revisiting this card because I haven't played this card for a long, long time. It's been a long time since I put a secrecy deck together. But surely, in your mind, this is the only way you'd play this guy. Oh yeah, I'm basically so this guy hasn't got any kind of you know special actions or responses or anything like that. He's just a good solid, good solid pro. <laughs> <laughs> so he only quests for one, but he hits for two, and he's got a shield of two, and he's got two hit points. So yeah. he's just a useful guy to have around, and only costs you two if you're in that kind of secrecy zone. Yeah, um, but yeah, apart from that, you I don't think you'll be spending five for somebody just for those uh, stats. Yeah, ranged and sentinel is great, of course. But yeah, yeah, it's only for a cost of two. Only. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little transfixed by the artwork. Actually, I'm just, uh, um, it's a, it's a Dunedain here. I don't know if it, it, it is Aragorn. I think him. And he's got long hair and a beard. So it, it must be him. Must be him. But no horse. But no horse. No can't horse. can't be him. No. And um, he's uh, he's doing something rather unpleasant to a young deer there. He's shaving a sleeping deer. <laughs> So out of order. He's just going to write <laughs> some swear word. In his mouth. Kick me. Kick me. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just getting a, he's just getting a little chopped. Yeah, yeah, there, exactly. He? Exactly. He's not going to kill it. He's just going to take enough for dinner. Then he'll sew it up and let it run free. And then maybe he'll get another chop out of him in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> um yeah what can i say about this guy i haven't played him for a long long time i mean i think in a secrecy deck sure of course put him in he's essentially a two-course ally yeah and then the other one is as we discussed last time if you have a deck with elrond and you're playing secrecy and you've got the um uh what's the one that allows you to play the card next card off the deck for free, uh, it's, it's the ring. Oh yeah, Aaron's ring. Ilya mm. or something. Mm. Well, you're watching the Rings of Power. <laughs> what? What? Oh yes, because that's obviously the most important <laughs> thing in the. What's your ring? Every episode, say, what's your ring called again, Aaron? <laughs> they think they they haven't even got the rings. Yet. Anyway, oh, no, that was no um, um, It's called. It's called Ilya, isn't it? Ilya. I can't remember. Okay. And anyway, um, Vilia gives you the option. Philia, Philia, there you go. Is that right? There you go. Okay. So. We're going yeah, with okay. it. <laughs> um, so you can, this is an ally you can play essentially for free if you do it through that yes. method. But also, if you're also playing secrecy with Elrond, then you've got the secrecy option as well. So, and it only costs you two. So he, I have used this guy mm. on, um, yeah, he's, he's never like a critical guy, but he's often just a useful guy to yeah. have yeah. around. Getting the scrap, basically. Yeah, I am scared of that cost. 
But then I suppose if you were playing him in a secrecy deck or an Aaron deck and with Aristor, then you got a way of just discarding it. If it comes into your hand, you go, actually, there's no way I'm playing this guy now. Let's say you even play a secrecy deck and by the time he shows up, your threat's at 30. Chances are you're not getting back down under 20, so you can then just churn him out. Oh, yeah. Sometimes once you've been rumbled, you're rumbled and you're, <laughs> you're not getting back. Um, okay. Well, I don't think there's much more to say about him. Shall we move on to the attachments? Sure. Okay. I think, again, we have three attachments. Let's see what we've got here. I am going to pick another unique card, and that is the sword that was broken. That sounds promising. I mean, if it was just a broken sword, I would not be too impressed. An ex-broken sword. <laughs> yes, this is an ex-broken sword. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an artifact, but not an item. It costs three, and it states, attached to a hero. Attached hero gains the leadership resource icon. If the attached hero is Aragorn... Each character you control gets plus one willpower. Oh boy, oh boy. That's so good. That's so powerful. That is unbelievable powerful. I think anyone who has played this game up to this stage will know that willpower additions are one of the most powerful effects a card can give. And this gives plus one to each character you control, if it's attached to Aragorn. And I would say, so, I mean, immediately you think, well, this cycle has... The law Aragorn, so it would be good to put it onto him, and then therefore that Aragorn can also pay for leadership cards as well. But I would be happy just to put this straight on the original leadership oh, yeah. Aragorn. No, Any Aragorn. No <laughs> doubt, no <laughs> doubt, because, yeah. It's also not restricted. No, but it's unique. So, no, no, but what I mean is, you, you know, you can still have other, other restrictions. Oh, yes, as yes, well, yes, you know, yes, so yes. This is a, a brilliant one. Yeah, absolutely. It's every character you control. Yeah. It's not every ally, it's not every hero, it's every character. So, you know, if you've got a fair few out there, you can be questing for scores. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just a quick comment on the artwork here. We said this was the sword that was broken, but it does appear to be still semi-broken in this image. I mean, it, it seems that the shards have been put together, but they're yet to put the handle on. I mean, that would be pretty uncomfortable to use at this stage. I think this this is um, a shot from when it's sort of work in progress. I should hope so. So this is one elf saying to have, hey, look, you know, I'll fix the, uh, the top part of this. Can you get the, yeah. can you get the hilt sorted, please? <laughs> <laughs> you can still, there's still a clear breakage yeah. at the bottom. If there, I was to it? take my sword in to be fixed and this is how it was presented back to me, I would... It's perfectly usable. You just need to hold it with this um, <laughs> velvet handkerchief. <laughs> yeah, I'll be very careful if you're swinging it's, it about. But it's, and be careful, it's still sharp. <laughs> um, I always thought, like, um, in the film, when um, Boromir yeah. cuts his finger, I just thought, you need to get some antiseptic on that pretty quick. That sword is old. Who knows what, <laughs> what, what germs are living on that thing? Come on. It's just a little prick. <laughs> it was a poor old Boromir he had so many issues do you know what I love in that scene is when um, Boromir sort of hastily puts the uh, the shards of oh, Narsal back falls. and it falls 
the sound and the weight that is given to that sword hitting the ground is so powerful, I think. it's Because it really feels like that is a heavy bit of kit. And uh, oh yeah, and I think, yeah, it just embodies the power that that sword has just in that one uh, moment. I love how Boromir also kind of looks. Yeah. He realizes he's like, you know. Should I pick it up? Club, yeah, it's like that. It's, it's it's like it's like someone who, who who's maybe putting a an empty crisp wrapper or a can in a public bin and it misses, and rather than just immediately picking it up, they sort of look around and then if if you're behind them, then they pick it up. Is it damn right? Don't worry, Aragorn will sort it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody else will come and clean it up. Yeah, now that was uh, yeah expertly done. No, but that's a, that's a real favourite sword that was broken. Yeah, and again, I would probably put three in because you really want to get this out. And then uh, if you manage to get one out, if you're playing with Aristor, burn it, burn it, burn it. If you have multiple copies in your hand. Oh, you're really starting to see how some of these cards work together. How about that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a shocker. Unprecedented. All right. Do you want me to pick one? Yeah, go for it. Okay, let's go with... Path of Need. Ooh. This costs four. Condition. Limit one per deck. Attach to a location. Heroes do not exhaust to attack, defend, or commit to a quest while the attached location is the active location. Oh boy. Okay, well that is obviously insanely powerful again. This is one of those ones where, for me, and maybe I haven't been playing it quite as smartly maybe as others but or even correctly or even correctly <laughs> i um i use this as one of those get out of a sticky situation cards because it costs four so it's not cheap no. so if you're on a location where you know if you're if you're maybe a little bit stuck and you've got some enemies descended upon you and you just don't have you can't just can't get everything done and you're just eventually going to get worn down this can be an absolute lifesaver because you can commit everyone to the quest you can quest through, but you have to be really careful about that as well because it has to be the active location. Yeah. More so, I tend to use it for getting rid of enemies. So you can quest enough to stay on that card or to travel to the one you've attached this to. Yeah. See? And then what but then obviously once you're there, you've got your whole set of folk to both defend and attack. So if you want to take out a particular vicious enemy, you can do that. If you've got a whole bunch of enemies who are struggling to defend against, you can do that and then still attack them so it gives you real options in those kind of tricky situations that's how i've tended to use i haven't put this in loads of decks i've used it uh, but i have found it really useful in certain situations however what i would say is my experience of it is that situation hasn't cropped up that often but when it has it's been super useful to have this yeah, Correct. I think it's exactly that. I think when it works, it works amazingly. But I mean, the fact is, it's, it's limit one per deck. Now, for me, it's not too bad. For you, I'm amazed you've even ever seen it in your 70 card decks. Oh no, my 70 card decks will have like 50 different cards in it. <laughs> I often put one or just two. One or just two. Two or just one. <laughs> Two, which one's bigger? Two or one, two? Um, yeah, I often, I often put sometimes two, sometimes just one of some cards yeah. um, in there. Yeah, well. Just, you know, just for enough. So obviously for this one, you have no choice. Yeah. You have to put one. But um, 
I would say that it's limit one per deck. So if you happen to be playing multiplayer and you both have leadership, or even if you don't both have leadership and you have a way of paying for leadership cards, you could put one in each player's deck just as an aside. It's not one per a game. So yeah, very true. Um, it is expensive, but I think obviously the locate it's only active when the location is the active location. Um, yeah, that's the key. So yeah. it's either for what you just said gets you out of that one sticky moment, and that can be a game saver, of course. But I think also if you can get it out onto say something like uh, Caradras in whichever the quest was, which has Caradras in <laughs> Redhorn Gate. But yes, let's go with that. Um, that has a that has a stack of progress to get through. So you can get it out onto that. Then chances are Caradras is going to be your active location for several rounds, which means that you can plow through your quest and kill any enemies you've got quite happily whilst Caradras is the active location yeah. without... Um, so actually getting you through Caradras much quicker than you probably would be without a card yeah. like this. So it, the, other, the other way you can utilize it fully, which I've done in the past, is... When you play the attachment at the start of a round, put it onto one of the locations in the staging yes. area, which you're going to travel to. Yes. So when you do your quest or whatever, um, then you hit the, when you travel to there, and that becomes the active location, even though you might have one or two exhausted, whatever you've, you commit to the quest already, all the others can attack and defend yeah. when you're on that location. And then for the next round, you can commit everybody to the quest and plow through it and whack a whole bunch maybe on your on your quest card as well. And they're still not exhausted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you make, basically you get you get a you get a battle phase, a yeah. quest phase, and a battle phase by doing it that yeah, way. Essentially, yeah, yeah like a, a half a battle phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And like you say, if you've got something like Caradras, which is really difficult to get through, yeah, there are there are certain scenarios where it can be uh, where you can really utilize it to the max. And you could try and get crafty with it, like with some of those event cards that we've had, which bounce locations. Ooh. That's true. In and out of being the active location, you could and just skip there once in a while when yeah. you're. Uh... I mean, I don't have those cards in front of me, so I'd have to, I'd have to go back and work out the way of the optimal way of doing so. But I'm sure yeah. there are ways you could, you could do. Or that. what you could do is, you can put it to the active like. Um... Oh no, maybe not. I was thinking because there a way that you could, if you know that when you complete a quest card, that you're gonna something else is going to become the active location. Yeah. And this will then bounce out. But then again, if it is the active location, you've got to get through it anyway. So yeah, maybe not. Unless you've got other ways to complete. No, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking left field now. There are probably some very unique scenarios you could do. Yeah, it, but yeah, yeah, probably a bit too random just for the sake well, of this one card. For, for me though, if you're playing a leadership deck at this stage of the game, it's only going to take up one space in your deck. Put it in. You never know when this might be useful. Yep. Okay path of need and i guess that's why it's called that i mean it's 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 going to help you at a time of need <laughs> the clue is <laughs> yeah um okay so those are the attachments oh there's, there's one other one. Oh, there is one more yes okay this is um another unique attachment and it is called hardy leadership and it costs two lovely uh picture of Gandalf there looking like he's about to set his beard on fire yeah he's not I think 
him and the dwarf aren't happy about having their uh, photo taken, <laughs> or indeed posing for four hours. Well, like, <laughs> the dwarf looks most perturbed. Yeah, not not looking disgruntled. Up, yeah. Disgruntled dwarf. Okay, Gandalf don't look happy either, frankly. No, <laughs> no. Put that thing down. <laughs> Setting the flash off. This is a photo taken by Pippin. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to be quiet. Go for it. Smile. Ching. Impressive flash goes off. <laughs> oh, God. That's a dwarf. <laughs> um, okay, so that's this is Hardy Leadership. Cost of two. It says, attached to a leadership hero. Then it says, each dwarf character gets plus one hit point okay well i think what's important here is it's attached to a leadership hero it's not attached to a dwarf hero or in fact a leadership dwarf hero it's just a leadership hero so if by chance you're running a dwarf deck with leadership and not including dane i mean (laughs) it's possible i suppose oh you have dane and another leader yeah yeah yeah, but it's not like again. It's not restricted, so you could just put it on Dane. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Basically, it does show that you can put this onto any leadership hero. Should should you be running dwarfs and not have a dwarf hero, and not have a dwarf leadership hero, I should say. Um, and then each dwarf character gets plus one hit point. Yeah, see, well, dwarfs don't tend to be short of hit points, though, do they? Really, I mean, I, the. the there are a couple from, from early ones, like the uh, Arabor Record Keeper, Map Maker. Those guys, the guys from Arabor, I think they have no hit points, if memory serves. Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> they, they're dead. They're dead. <laughs> they have one hit. They only have one hit point and no defense or something like that. So actually, an extra hit point there is very useful because any direct damage that comes off of the encounter deck tends to just clear them off the board. I I think it's pretty great to be honest. And aren't there a couple of dwarf characters who the more hit points they have? I think of Gimli, and there's another one as well. Gloin. The more hit points they have, the more they hit for. Oh well, mm, well, those berserker style yeah. guys or whatever they were called. G- Gimli for sure. Gimli um, for uh, sure. So, so that's if you've got Gimli around, that's already an extra one. An extra one for you Gimli. Can get on him, and he can hit for one yeah. more. I think for the cost of two, if you've got a dwarf deck, if you end up with ten dwarves on the table and they've all got one extra hit point, that can be. Oh, it doesn't hurt. Life and well, I, I say that could be life and death. Yeah, yeah. I think for the cost of two, this is this is top value. I'd say. <laughs> Top value. Well, I, I, no, I do, I do think it's super duper value. And can I say something else as well? It's not each dwarf character you control. It's each dwarf character. So if you're playing multiplayer, oh yeah, you got one of these. Every single dwarf on the table gets plus one. And if you attach this to a dwarf, the dwarf itself gets plus one. Well, that, that, no, the dwarf would get it anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. So it's like it, this. This is, I think, for two. I think this is a great card. Personally, I agree. I mean, I, I was a little sceptical because dwarves don't tend to really struggle when it comes to hit points. But I think that for the cost of two, put it in. For sure. For sure. And yeah, it, okay, it's unique. But repeating myself, play it with uh, Aristor. And then if you get extras in your hand, just burn them out. Just swap them out. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know when you get um, 
things like um um no what are the cards <laughs> called what are the cards called the uh the nasty cards like event style cards off the account treacheries thank you can't have absolute my back when you get a treachery sometimes it says put two damage to each exhausted yeah. character or whatever Direct like that. damage it's, i just said i just said that okay there you go so there you go there you go i'm agreeing with you <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. So it's it's, it's great. <laughs> no, no, for, for two for direct for, two. for direct damage. Absolutely, I I, I well, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you agreeing with me. Good. When we are in agreement, <laughs> <laughs> sense sense we're out of practice. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're getting we're getting. <laughs> no one's noticed. No one's noticed. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> um, okay, so that is all the attachments. So. I think we have quite a quite a bunch of events actually here. Do you want to just pick one? Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick one at random. Okay, I'm gonna go with Velour of Moria. Yeah, how about that? Okay. Oh, I remember this one. I love this one. Nice and simple event. It costs three action. Ready all dwarf characters. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Again, could be an absolute lifesaver. This. So you've exhausted people to defend or whatever, or you've had to, and you need to get rid of an enemy, you can use this, get rid of that enemy, boom, you're done. Or you've exhausted people to quest, you need to be able to defend, same thing. Um, whatever, yeah, there's a couple of ways you can you can play this. I pretty much always put this in if I'm playing dwarves. Well, well actually, it does depend on the quest too, to be honest with you. But yeah, nice and simple card. I think it's, I think it's pretty terrific. Yeah, I mean... As we've talked about many times, like the dwarf decks, you have so many dwarfs on the table often that, that just to be able to ready all of them in one hit, it is terrific. Yeah, really. Quite expensive, I suppose, but the effect is huge and we're in leadership. So, hey, we're rich. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, not much more to say about that, is there really? No, not really. Nice, simple one. Yeah. Um, I would jump to another one, though, which, well, yeah, you'll see why. I mean, it relates to that card, or rather it plays well with that card, but it used to play even better. It's one of these uh, one of these errated ones. Oh. So there's an event called We Are Not Idle. Cost of naught? As, uh, as Michael Jackson famously said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he is idle. I haven't heard anything from him for ages. <laughs> Just lazy. <laughs> okay. Um, cost of naught. Hooray. Yes. Action. Exhaust X dwarf heroes to add X resources to the hero's resource pool and draw a card. Um, well, drawing a card, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> um Exhausting heroes, not a big fan of, but it's a way of generating resources. But, you know, resources aren't short in, uh, well, unless you're a dwarf. Um, <laughs> you're not short of resources in leadership. But maybe if you can play this near the beginning of your game, that's really useful because maybe you haven't got Steward of Gondor out yet. Um Maybe you need the resources to pay for Steward of Gondor to get that going. And then 
you could do, you know, at the beginning of a game, it's usually easier to control the staging area and you know what you're up against and there's a chance you're going to get to the end of the round with some ready heroes still. So if you can sort of go, well, I've got this in my hand, I will quest with my non-dwarf hero and then exhaust two dwarf heroes and at least I get a, a couple of resources at the end and an extra card. For the cost of naught, that's pretty good. Now, the errata and why this ties into the lure of Moria is it used to be exhaust X dwarf characters. Yeah, that's what it should be. Well, what for a cost of naught? Um, no, but I th- <laughs> the thing is, it's ridiculous in combination with the lore of Moria that if you could ready all of your dwarfs and then exhaust all of them and get sort of, well, like 10 resources um, and then an extra card for playing uh, We Are Not Idle. It was just insanely powerful. And I think, although I can't quote it exactly, I think there was sort of an, an infinite loop that was possible with an, another card where you could just keep on recycling. Oh, right. um, but I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. This was, I believe, errated very early once this card came out. I don't think it took them long to realise that it was too powerful with, with Lore of Moria as well. So this they should have changed the title to... to we are not idle. Well, actually, some, some of, of us, us are. are. Some of us are. <laughs> Heroes are not idle. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's just feeding into the uh, <laughs> hero entitlement. <laughs> um, I would also say... Hmm, does that work? What say you? <laughs> you could play this in a leadership deck even if you don't have any dwarf heroes, or, in fact, even if you did have dwarf heroes, choose not to exhaust any, because it costs naught. You're just trying to find a way to get a free card. Well, well, the thing is, you could say, well, you have to put this card in to get a free card, but actually what it does is it... it you know, you know I have this thing about the smaller the deck, the better, because it means that you are going to get through your deck quicker, so therefore you're going to get to the cards that you want sooner. In theory, this would be a way of thinning your deck is that right say you had 50 cards and you had three of these in and even if you don't have dwarf heroes you draw this card costs you nothing so you immediately play the action discard it and take the next card yeah so basically you're giving yourself a 47 card deck advantage being oh just to make it more concise yeah exactly oh you want to go the other way (laughs) Yeah, uh, the look. Why do you want less? The look of disgust on your face. Then, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, for me, I think that is actually quite interesting. I mean, it's it's a it's a tiny advantage. It, have you been in a situation where you run out of cards? Once or twice. No, I have once or twice, yeah. but it doesn't it's do, doesn't happen. Yeah, it is horrible. <laughs> I mean, usually it's because I thought, what happens at the end? Do you like the encounter deck? You just like then shuffle no. your your dis- No, it's, it's not. It's gone. the end. It's gone. <laughs> I think we had that discussion before. I mean, usually, uh, it's happened when I've had a, a deck which has been completely geared into drawing cards. So I've run out of cards, but most of them are in my hand. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the danger of a card like this is I remember when at the beginning, I, it took me a long time to get into law mm. and into card draw generally. And when I eventually saw the uh, plus sides of that, you know, when I eventually got yeah, just exploring that, I made this deck which was all about card draw, right? Yeah. And what happened was I had all of these cards that allowed me to draw more cards, and I drew those cards, and they were cards that allowed me to draw more cards. 
and there was nothing useful in my deck at all. It's just, it's just like a final card. You know the card. <laughs> Completely useless. It's like, okay, I think I see how this balance Yeah, you've got to find a bit of a healthy so, balance there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely put in some cards that do things. Do actually do something, <laughs> but from draw yet more cards. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, so, yeah, I think that's a good card. I think that's a good card regardless of the errata. Um because yeah, do I? I think I do. <laughs> I've gone Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think I think I think it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Shall I pick yeah, one? Please go ahead. Okay, I'm going to go random again. Let's go with uh, fresh tracks. So fresh tracks costs one. As a response, after an enemy is added to the staging area, deal one damage to that enemy. Players ignore that enemy while making engagement checks this round. Oh. See, I, I love the theming of this. Yeah. It's so good. And you see in the artwork, you got the dwarf who's, well, he's checking out the fresh tracks um, while scratching his back with his axe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just got us. There, there we go. That's got it. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, nice simple card again. Really useful in that if you get an enemy you really don't want to deal with at that point, you can keep him out, out in the staging area for a round yeah. and deal with direct damage to you. Yeah. But, it, but just the whole theming of it is you found the tracks, you've avoided him, he's got annoyed and frustrated or whatever. and uh, Banged his head. Banged his head somewhere, <laughs> got confused, what's going on? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think the theming's terrific and, it's, and it's, it only costs one. Yeah. And it can be quite a useful card. So, um, I haven't played it loads, I'll, I'll admit, but I have played it a few times. Um, yeah, just a good, solid, decent card. No, I actually really think this is a nice, nice card. Beautiful price, cost of one. Um, <laughs> not quite naught. You just, I just suddenly saw you being a market seller. Pound a pound, pound a pound. <laughs> fresh tracks, fresh tracks. It'll cost you one, just one, just the one. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> That's lovely fresh That's track. fresh. That's fresh today, that is. These tracks are fresh. <laughs> Can't get fresher tracks than these. <laughs> um, important, good, good thing to note on this, or important thing to note on this, it's when an enemy is added to the staging area, so not revealed. So what's really useful about this event is for the quest that we played for the last podcast, you may remember, which, remember, you were struggling with enemies getting bounced back to the staging area from uh, from their shadow cards. And that is annoying. It, it, yes, that is annoying. But if you had that situation, so you were unable to attack those enemies, when it gets bounced back to the staging area, you could then play this event as a response because at that point, the enemy is being added back to the staging area. Yeah, but it only does a damage. It won't affect the engagement checks. Uh, no, but I was thinking specifically about that last quest that you were getting it during ambushes, which was during the um, whenever we were at some stage. We were in that cave. We were in the cave, and you were getting. Oh yeah, that's right. And you were getting that's them right. uh, bounced in, and so therefore, yeah. But you'd get a damage on them, which, to be honest, if you're chipping away at a warg, <laughs> be my guest. And um, and then if it happens to have happened outside of the. Uh, um, the combat phase, then you will indeed avoid that engagement. Mm. If, if there are certain quests as well where on quest cards enemies are added to the staging area, 
and they're often quite nasty enemies so that can be really useful as well yeah i would point out though the difference between this guy and thalin is because thalin's response is that when an enemy is revealed from the encounter deck you deal it one damage damage and the difference there is that if it's a one hit point enemy it dies straight away before it hits the staging area so therefore no surges or doomed or anything like that trigger with this one um it's at the point it's a response to it being added to the staging area so the reveal has already happened so when the enemy gets revealed things like surge and doomed are triggered um and then even if it is a one hit point enemy this you could play this as a response and kill it as it's added but then it would the the surge and doomed would have already happened actually before you get a chance to play this response yeah yeah makes sense yeah yeah uh but still for a cost of one bring it on brilliant bring it on fresh tracks i'll tell you what actually if you're playing a uh a deck with darlin if you're playing a, a leadership tactics deck then that's nice. You could basically Ooh. clear out any nasty two hit point uh, enemies yeah. as as they get revealed. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Food. Food. That's yeah. That's right. And if you had who's who's my favourite? Uh, what's he called? Feardon, who can attack in the staging area. Feardred. 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 Sorry, Feardred. Yep. You can dispatch some of these enemies before. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay, do 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 the damage when with Farlin. Do the damage with his card. Attack him with. So yes, you can basically get two plus whatever he can do before the guy can even attack. Yeah, cool. Yeah, very nice. Great. Nice. Yeah, no, that's a very nice card. I like that one a lot. Okay, let's jump. I'm just gonna pick one at random as well. So we have Grave Ken. Grave Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like this one. <laughs> please, please forgive my accent there. Um, <laughs> you just sounded dwarfish. It was fine. Fine, fine. <laughs> um, You'd be pleased to know all of the dwarves in Rings of Power, and this won't be a spoiler, mm-hmm. but so far, I think they've all had Scottish accents. Okay, I am pleased to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can't think of any other logic as to the accents of the other people mm-hmm. as to where they're from geographically. Okay. Just, just something to bear in mind. Not as bad as Game of Thrones, though, where you got like the two guys from um, what, what's what's the name of the, the main city, the capital, um, uh, that place, the capital, yeah, King's Landing, King's Landing, is that right? And then you got the uh, you got the two. Do you remember when you got the Onion Knight or whatever he's called, and he and he saves that that young guy. From well, yeah, from his fate. Anyway, they got on really well, and it, they figure out that they're both from like two streets away from one another, where they grew up in King's Landing, and one of them has got like you know this sort of southern English accent like this, yeah. and the other is like it's like a Geordie lad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and they're talking about like flea bottom, you know, and all of this stuff. It's just like, what well, you speak? You both grew up in the same place, and you speak like that. And you speak, what's going on? Here? It's just like it's random accents. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's on it. It could yeah. be from there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they kept at least it kept it consistent with the dwarves. It somehow suits the dwarves. I don't know. I don't know why. 
I mean, talking of Game of Thrones accents, though, it was um, what was his name? Little Littlefinger. Little oh, and, and, Littlefinger. Yeah. <laughs> and I I really liked that character when when yeah, when great. it first started. Um, I thought he was a very very interesting character. But through it, as the show progressed, he became more and more Irish. I thought he became more Welsh. <laughs> he started off. Because in the first series or two, he was like almost a really good character, mm. and, it, and I'm talking about the, I've never read the books, but but then he became really good, and I think it was because as he became more Welsh uh, in my head, I might, I'll have to I'll have to see it again. It, I, I thought I thought it was like Welsh mm. tinge to his accent, but you you heard Irish, I heard Irish. Mm. or maybe maybe just he just went west. He started off. <laughs> He started off in England, yep. then he became Welsh, and then he became Irish. Eventually, he would have been the first American accent. And if he'd have lived, he'd have been a New, New Yorker. <laughs> Why don't I have American accents in these things? It's just, isn't it funny? It's just that association with some kind of you know older yeah. world in inverted commas, isn't History. it? Yeah. It's funny. It just wouldn't sound right, would it? It's... <laughs> oh, oh dear. quite amusing. There you go. Oh. Grave Cairn. Grave Grave Cairn. <laughs> <laughs> um it is an event at a cost of one and it has a response. It's beautiful artwork, by the way. It's a light shining through the forest. Yeah, that's it. Always gonna get a thumbs Always up. Always gonna get a thumbs up. Um response. Very humble, mm. humble, understated mm. but poignant. Uh, burial uh, gravestone <laughs> thing do you think it is quest mission <laughs> thing <laughs> I like to think this is um, not like a, a marking of a grave but the actual grave and it's a dwarf been buried standing Very up this <laughs> <laughs> is his hands down at the side <laughs> Or just his head poking up. Um, So, response. (laughs) After a character leaves play, add its attack to another character's attack until the end of the round. Okay. This is classic dwarf berserker syndrome, isn't it? (laughs) I love it. It's such a good feeling. So yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. So okay, but let's let's think this through. So a character can leave play because it is killed, and it can leave play because an eagle, for instance, can pop in and out. Ooh, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, and a f- oh, I just thought of one. Go on. What's the name? Who's the, who's the, the massive dude who comes in for like a round? Bayon. But to play him fully, Bayon. After he leaves play, and he hits for like five or something. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's a good one, though. Because does he get plus... F- mm. And is it his printed attack? Or is it his attack? So he'll get... Oh, let me quickly look at Bayon a second. That's a good one. No, let's talk about this card, and then we'll jump back to Bayon. As I think that's a very okay. interesting one. Um, because can you augment someone's attack... Then have them leave play, and then I think you can. It doesn't say it's printed attack, does it? It's it's attack. So if you make a character super strong, 
and then it leaves play. Oh, I, don't, I didn't even think of it like that. So, yeah, yeah good point. Oh. I mean, yeah. the thing is, I mean, if you if you look at this as very much a simple card of... It doesn't say characters printed. No, it doesn't. It would say printed. Yeah, I think so. Because it says printed costs yeah. and printed whatever. Yeah. Yeah, a character, because if all the dwarf characters have got plus one attack, let's say it's a normal dwarf, right? And he hits for one, but you've got Dane out there, so he hits for two. Or, so, or, which, or whichever character yeah. makes him hit for an, yeah. an extra one. Yeah. Or that previous card we just discussed. Yeah. So he's hitting for two. Even though his card says one, he leaves play. His attack is actually two. Yeah, is it? Not one. I think it is. But it's interesting because the character's attack is what it's printed, but then you've, you've buffed him up. So, hmm. I might have to look that one up. I'll do that in I'll, I'll do that in a second because that, that that I guess what it might be what it might be is once the characters left play, but those yeah the augments have gone, but they don't apply to him anymore because it's after he leaves play. Yeah, so that actually maybe it would just happen to be what's on the card. Yeah, because if if he was being buffed by an attachment, for instance, yeah, the attachment mm. goes sort of it goes at the same time, but it does get separated from. Mm. I'm going to quickly. I'll quickly look this up in in a moment, okay. just to uh, to iron this out now. But let's look at it as a very very simple. Let's before we've overcomplicated it. Um, one issue I have of playing it sort of at face value is that let's say you're just treating it as I've defended with um, a character and that character has died, and then I'll get his attack points and put it on another character who's going to attack the, that enemy. You know, chances are if you're defending. Your defender characters don't tend to have that many attack points. They tend to have more defense, you know. But that's true. So, and 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 if, if that character had lots of attacking ability, then why wouldn't you just keep him around, you know, to to join in the attack rather than just saying, "Well, I mean, I guess to avoid an undefended attack, you could sacrifice." You, you could sacrifice a character that could attack a lot, and then knowing that you are going to get at least get his attack points. It's true, but then you know, I, well, I always I've said this from the very beginning as well. Yeah, every point makes a difference or can make a difference. Yeah, you know, so even if he attacks with two or even one, that can actually be crucial to getting rid of an enemy. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and it, and it only costs one. Yeah, and then of course there's kind of obvious sort of simple combos like sneak attack Gandalf in, and then um, because it's until oh there you in, go. until the Gandalf's end, a good one. Well, until until the end of the round, you see. So you see, so let's say you sneak attack Gandalf in uh, to quest. To quest. Um, when he leaves at the end of the quest phase, you can give his attack yeah. value to another uh, another character. So that's a, a, a plus four. So that's great, you know. Yeah, massive. Uh, yeah, and basically you're doubling up your Gandalf, then, aren't you? Because you're getting his four for questing, and you're getting his four for attack. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let me just quickly look at Bayon a second. Um, While you're looking him up, there's a quote on the card, which says, "We have not the time or the tools to bury our comrade fitly, or to raise a mound over him. A cairn we might build." Ah. Went a bit Yoda at the end. That was Legolas from the Two Towers. I wonder who he's talking about. They lost a dwarf in the two towers in the book. Now you're asking. I really need to reread that thing. <laughs> <laughs> add, add, it to, add it to your list of things to do. Yeah, it's on, it's on, it is on the list. Yeah, after watching Seed of Chucky. 
I think this is going to rate above it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's Bayon. He normally... So he has a printed attack of three. There you go. Okay. And he has an action, and it says, Bayon gains plus five attack until the end of the phase. At the end of the phase in which you trigger this effect, shuffle Bayon back into your deck. Uh, so you can't use it on Bayon anyway. No, because the phase will have ended. You have ended. to wait to the end of the phase. But, ooh. He doesn't leave play to the end of the phase, so how are you going to... Well, I'll tell you how, is you trigger it during... No, but that's pointless. <laughs> I say you trigger it during a different phase, but then you might as yeah, well have just, you, you might well have just attack, used yeah. it because you might as well, you, yeah. want his, you want his plus three. <laughs> exactly. It's like, aha! <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's, that's ill-advised. Yeah, um, it was an idea. It didn't pan out. But... Let me see whether or not this card works if you've buffed a character's attack. One second. If if you what a character's attack? Buff it. Oh, if you buff it. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I found I found it here. I found. Well, it's it's an official response to someone asking about. Gimli specifically, but it is an official response from uh, Nate French from way back when. So this was the question asked, and I'll read the answer and then we can sort of discuss how, how this works with other forms of buffing. So it says, after Gimli has been destroyed, can I play Gravekern to add his attack to another hero? And how many attacks can that hero get? So... Yeah, it's a pretty badly worded question, but it's basically saying if uh, you you've got Gimli hitting for eight, nine, yeah. ten, whatever, you know, he gets killed somehow. Can you put all ten onto another hero of Greycon? And the official response is no. Yeah, basically, uh, when <laughs> when you use Greycon, you are targeting a character who has just left play. When a character leaves play, all tokens on that character are returned to the token bank and all attachments on that character are placed in the discard pile. So what it's basically saying is things are removed from that character um, and you are targeting that character that's left play. So those things are just not on it anymore. So any if we had any attachments which were buffing... Um, attack values then they're gone so we can forget about that any tokens for Gimli they're gone so it says furthermore the game text on dead heroes and allies in the discard pile is not active so when you play grave can the only attack value that you add is the target character's printed attack strength right yeah okay yeah that's clear so basically and I think it makes sense. it does make sense yeah so basically yeah, even the way it's written. Yeah. yeah, you're targeting the card which has left play. You're not targeting the event you played five minutes ago to give that character plus three. So, okay, it's not quite as good as our uh, our little brain started uh, feverishly imagining, but uh, I still think it's quite good. I mean, apart from... I think it's good to play with things like Sneak Attack Gandalf. Yeah, yeah. But... And also, just... It's an event, so just look at the situation you're in. If you've lost someone who's attacked for two and you figured out to kill that nasty enemy you've got to attack in a second, you need an extra one or two yeah. to get him, then play the card and get him. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's what it boils down to at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, there are these special occasions, but you know, 
generally speaking, that's how you use them. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think it's cheap, and it may well get you out of a uh, a sticky situation. All righty. Yep. Okay. Cool. I Only a couple left. I think we have two to go. Yeah. Do you want to just pick one? Yeah, I've just remembered one. There's one I really like, so I'm going to pick that one. And it is Timely Aid, which costs four and is secrecy three. So if you're playing secrecy and you're in the secrecy zone, <laughs> <laughs> then it only costs you one. And the action is reveal the top five cards of your deck and put one revealed ally into play if able. Shuffle all other revealed cards back into your deck. Now, this is great for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when it's secrecy, you're only costing one. Yeah. So no matter how much that ally costs, you put them in for just for the cost of playing Timely 8. Yeah. So you don't have to pay for whatever the printed cost is on that card. Plus, you get to pick from potentially five uh, cards. If you don't happen to have an ally, then, mm. you know, if you, haven't, if you don't have a way to visualize what's in your deck, then fine. Generally speaking, you're going to know what's in your deck roughly you know in terms of how many of them are allies compared to other things but if you're playing secrecy even if that happens it's cost you one yeah and you've had a bad gamble and it didn't work oh i've had, right. a, oh, I've had a bad gamble I had a bad... <laughs> oh, you have to excuse me <laughs> gammy gamble um yeah so i i really like this one it's great for a secrecy deck um I think it's it's, a, it's only for a secrecy deck, surely, because you're never going to pay four to roll the dice. Because uh, you might as well just if, pay for the ally which comes out. Well, but it gets, it lets you pick from five cards. You know, that's quite. If, if there's one particular person you're after and you've got twenty cards left in your deck, you're thinking, well, I've got a pretty decent chance if I reveal five of them rather than just waiting. If it's the fifth one, that's five extra rounds yeah. you've got to wait. Uh, okay. You know, so yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. It, so from that perspective, if you're desperate, even the cost of four, it might be worth it. Considering that, you wouldn't have to pay the costs on that printed card as well. So if it's going to cost three, it's only cost you an extra one. Yeah. Right? So, and if it's Gandalf, you've uh, you've made you've made money. <laughs> even if you've paid four on your timely aid. So, so you know, even the cost of four doesn't stop this one being used. I'd say so. I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm not saying necessarily put it in a deck where you're not planning to play secrecy. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if you are playing secrecy but you happen to, you know, have too much threat, it yeah. can it can still be a useful card because by that point you've probably gone a fair few way, fair way through the game, yeah. and you've probably got a fair bit of resource at that point. So, um, okay, yeah, granted, yes. yeah. I mean, it's a no-brainer in a secrecy deck. Absolutely. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Terrific. But yeah, I, I agree. So I think put it in a secrecy deck um, 100% of the time, no doubt. And if you happen to be beyond the secrecy threshold, then sure, I would still play it if you have the resources at hand. I don't think this is going anywhere near a deck which is not secrecy based. I love it. Beyond secrecy threshold. It's like you've slipped into another dimension. It's like beyond secret. So you can never find it. <laughs> um Quick note on the artwork. Oh yes, that magnificent. That is a big horse. That's a, <laughs> that's a big old horse. But who has the bigger mane? I think it's the elf. Oh no, that's a cloak actually. But um, that's what you want. You're in a spot of bother. What do you want to see bursting out of the trees? You want to see that? Wow, <laughs> the biggest horse. The world's biggest. <laughs> or it's a really, really small elf. Okay, you've hit on. My second beef with the Rings of Power. <laughs> this isn't a spoiler because you'll see this from the first episode. Okay. 
aren't elves meant to be like taller than men? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the children. Yeah, no, just elves generally, including lady elves. Including children. <laughs> as soon as they're born. As soon as they're born. They come out like a <laughs> seven they foot come tall. Out like a sausage. I don't know why they haven't. In Lord of the Rings, they were very, very careful about getting that right, weren't they, in the character's stature, physical stature. Mm. Gandalf was always obviously very big, especially dealing with hobbits who are tiny. Dwarves are a bit bigger than hobbits. Men are bigger than dwarves, but not as big as elves. And elves are tall like Gandalf, right? That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. Just standard Middle-earth height ratios? Yeah, everyone knows that. Even a child can see it. (laughs) And uh, for some reason... They don't seem to have stuck with that. And it annoys me. <laughs> really, really tall dwarfs. <laughs> Galadriel's chatting to like some guy and she's looking up at him. It's like Oh no, that no 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 This is not right. That will not do. This, that will not do. But that's what it is. It's, I know that seems like a really kind of geeky kind of thing, whatever. But I actually and I don't really generally care about those kind of things when I watch it. But I think it's something like that it's almost fundamental yeah, to the because yeah. do, do you know what I mean? It's like I, I don't know. I, it just well, didn't seem right. No, no, but no, I think I think you're right because it it is all about um, that even the smallest of creatures yeah, can, yeah, exactly. can shape the the, the future. You yeah. know, and height matters in Tolkien. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, but it's non-judgmental. No, no, exactly. Yeah, often the opposite. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so and and of course. Yeah, it's it's like well, they spent what did they spend like a billion dollars on this show? Yeah, it's like I know. Yeah, and they couldn't get that like, right. You know, just a couple of platform shoes is all you needed. It's, it was. It's not hard. To do, right? <laughs> right, you stand two foot this way, and you stand two foot that way. A couple of paint pots was you know, <laughs> or a platform. <laughs> you know, it's it's like they did in the old days. It was very simple. They used to do, in the golden age of Hollywood, they did it all the time, especially oh. with some of the uh, actresses. Well, and the actors, actually, who to, to a, lot, a lot of very famous actors. Well, famously, Bo- very short. famously, Bogart is one of the, yeah, the yeah. shortest yeah. shortest actors there's, well, leading men there's ever been, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, they build the set. They build the set around they? him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He would be constantly be on a, on a raised platform, and the uh, and his leading ladies would be sort of in a trench. <laughs> In the trench, <laughs> and probably in the film noir, I was in a ditch at some point as well. But um, yeah, I thought it's like this is just old school, standard, non-special effects filmmaking. Yeah. Well, I, well, it's meat and guts filmmaking. This, yeah. And I, I don't know why they couldn't do that. Classic meat and guts. <laughs> meat and guts. <laughs> I was. That's a mixture. What's that? Meat and, of meat meat, and two veg. <laughs> Meat and two veg, meat and potatoes. And potatoes. Where's where the guts one come from? <laughs> I don't know. Blood and guts. Deep, deep know. inside. Um, <laughs> meat and guts. That's the new expression. <laughs> Classic meat and guts filmmaking. Yeah. Um, but talking He's real meat and guts filmmaker. That's good. <laughs> um, talking of special effects, and Bogart is in making Casablanca. This is all t- going to tie back to uh, your your beef. <laughs> End of Casablanca. I'll try not to spoil it. There's a, there are an airfield, okay, and in the background there's an aeroplane, <laughs> and it's the plane they're going to be. Oh well, no, that would be a spoiler. There's an aeroplane. 
<laughs> and around that aeroplane, there are there are people working on it. But they didn't have... They, I mean, I think Casablanca, they filmed Casablanca within two weeks or something. It's the most ridiculous short production schedule for one of the greatest films of all time. And so they didn't have access to like the, the proper airfield or anything. They, but so they had this plane, but the plane, it was either like a miniature or like, but not like a miniature, miniature, like a model, but like a, like a, a, a large miniature or it's even a projection. But I believe it's a miniature. See, this is a terrible story because I don't know the details, but essentially <laughs> they needed to make it look this is very Peter Jackson-esque. They needed to make it look full size. So they employed um, dwarfs. <laughs> oh, to be the workers. To be the workers. There you go. Simple solution. Simple solution. Simple time. <laughs> but, you know, but that is a practical thing. I remember, in, I remember on, uh, one of the making of documentaries on that DVD set of Lord of Rings. Yeah. When, um, you know, there's that shot of where Frodo falls in the snow and the ring comes off yeah. and Boromir picks up the ring. Yeah. And there's that shot where you've got the ring and the chain right in the foreground and it gets picked up from the snow yeah. and in the background you see Frodo or whatever. But to do that, they had to build like this massive size ring and chain. Because <laughs> obviously if you try, you, you can't just, you're still going to be able to focus anything at all apart from that, you know, in the shot. You can't frame anything else because you're so focused on it. So they built this ring, which is about <laughs> 80 centimetres wide like this. They put this massive chain on it just for that one shot. And they had to get like a couple of people to lift it up so it looked like someone was just picking up their hand. That's amazing. But, you know, it's just like, but that's just, it's just practical things. It's not that expensive to do. No. You just build it, you know, just, make a metal ring and paint it gold boom done you know well they probably made it so it was perfect yeah, for that one yeah, it cost yeah, them thousands yeah. of dollars whatever but, <laughs> but that is just practical solutions to yeah practical problems it's, it's, so, yeah, it's classic anyway classic, it's classic meat and guts filmmaking meat and guts filmmaking <laughs> where was the meat and guts filmmaking in the rings of power yes sir yeah so that was my lady galadriel beef mm. and I, I, and it's one of two beefs <laughs> double beef Double beef, double beef sandwich, but I won't. Um, I won't go into that because that is a bit more. That's not really a spoiler. Talking about that, but the other beef I've got, yeah, it's not really a spoiler either, but it's semi-spoilerish. So I don't want to, or maybe might taint someone's view on it. So I don't want to do that. Double meat palace is, of course, where Buffy gets uh, her summer job. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exceptional. Which when. Perfectly smoothly, of course. Of course. <laughs> Double meat palace. <laughs> what was their speciality? It was so disgusting. Oh, it's it was like a, it's, it's like a pork and... It's, isn't it chicken and beef? Oh, I don't know. Is it chicken and beef? I don't know, but I remember the logo <laughs> is like... A, it's like... Is, is he, I can't remember. It's either a cow with a chicken's head or a chicken with a oh, cow's head. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's so wrong. <laughs> so I the mean, most untempting both thing. Both work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, okay. So, timely aid. <laughs> timely aid. I don't think I've got much more to say on that. No. Timely aid. No, it's a, it's a cracker. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. <laughs> <laughs> Is it secret? Is it safe? That was always one of my. Fa- Is that in the book? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the, the the second bit. What keep it safe? 
no, just, no, he no, just no, no. keep it no, secret. So he says, keep it secret, keep it safe. Yeah. Then when he comes back, the first thing he says is, is it secret? Is it safe? In a panic. And I always love that. Um, yeah. I don't know. The, the way that kind, that kind of cycle went. There, there you go. You know what I'll have to do, John? I'll have to reread that book. <laughs> Answer all my own questions. I keep asking you. You haven't read the book since like the no, second day. I just one. buy copies of it. I don't read it. <laughs> yeah. How many copies do you own? Oh, too many. Four or five. How many times, how five. Many times you read it? Four or five. <laughs> but have you read each one? No. no. I basically read the same copy several times. Oh, you have one reading copy. Not on purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I don't own any. No, no, not, fi- not officially. One. Not officially. Um, okay. I think we have one more event. <laughs> do we? Yes, we do. We have one yes, more event. One more. And it is taking initiative. <laughs> <laughs> We've left it to last. <laughs> <laughs> Cost of naught. Yay. Um,. It's an event, and it has an action. It says, discard the top card of your deck. If the discarded card's printed cost is equal to or higher than the number of characters you control, draw two cards and deal two damage to an enemy. Well, it's quite a lot to take in. Okay, so you discard the top card of your deck. If the discarded card's printed cost is equal to the number of, oh, so the number of characters you have on the table, or no, not on the table, that you control. So it's not, it's, if it's one player, it's all your cards equal to or higher than yeah uh this is junk you know what i've never used this the only what was coming to my head just now yeah what when it might be useful is maybe like right at the beginning if you've got like a horrible enemy you know sometimes when you do the setup you have to put Mm -hmm. you know put one card in the staging area or something Right. Yeah. I guess. Well, I guess if you've got a way of looking at your deck, obviously this could be helpful. Ah. But. Yep. All I was going to say was, but the thing is, you start off with three characters on, and you're le- you're very unlikely to have less than three characters. Well, point, you right? say that, but actually we've just well, actually, we've no, just been secrecy. talking about secrecy. secrecy. Yeah. 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 So let's say you're playing a two hero secrecy or even if you're which i did all the time very very brave you can do a one hero one but yeah let's say more realistically a two hero secrecy deck and you could play you could play this right at the beginning basically you might not get the two damage to any enemy because if you're if you are playing it literally right at the beginning but you you get a free card you you get two yeah well well yeah but if you put this card in your oh yeah true 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 but then you have to have this in your opening Hand. hand as well well you could mulligan i mean <laughs> yeah i mean there's taking initiative and then building a deck around it <laughs> no no but you know what i mean, yeah. I mean if if it's if you get this card later obviously the later you get well i guess further on you are the less probably the less chance you have of using this almost certainly i mean but it's actually quite powerful draw two cards and deal two damage to any enemy Undefended, yeah. but direct. But how, that's, that's how good, often are you going to get? Yeah. I tell you what. I mean, yeah, we're now looking at really niche. Um, Maybe that's why it's called taking initiative. It's taking the something. Like play it at the start <laughs> and save it to the end when you do the <laughs> review. 
Um, That's why it costs naught, right? It costs naught, right? It costs naught. I th- last week uh, we talked. About, I, I gotta be careful because last week, well, last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's optimistic. <laughs> last episode, we. we I, I'll try and avoid spoilers because it was a spoiler episode. But there was a specific, infamous treachery. Oh yeah, which would essentially wipe out your entire table of cards. And if you were to happen to survive that treachery, then chances are you wouldn't have very many characters on the table. Yeah, I was just thinking that. So right at the start or... As a, as a desperate you, measure. At, right near the end, if you've just been wiped out, basically, yeah. you need to just somehow get some cards and some yeah. damage on an enemy. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe, maybe it's not a bad one, just to have hanging around because it costs naught, you know. And if you don't need to use it, fine. It could be one of those. Yeah. But then again, you'd need, you know, one of my classic, you know, seventy-five card decks or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but it's it's cost naught. So yeah, like I say, I, I barely played this. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 mean, I think talking it through, I can see some ways it could work but i am leaning back to my gut reaction of it being junk <laughs> so thanks for listening yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ended, ended on a real high <laughs> i i think you know what the next time i do a um secrecy deck yeah. i might put this in just to see if it is a uh, an occasion i think useful. In secrecy, it's definitely playable. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah. I, you're, you're right. I think I missed that. Yeah. It, it, there's definitely more secrecy card than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, those are the leadership cards from the Dwaradov cycle. And actually, um, I mean, a lot of these I haven't played for a long, long time, but there's some really fresh and interesting cards in there. And, and ones that I sort of have played. But then I've now seen some different ways of, uh, again, unprecedented for this podcast, but some different ways of playing. Um, okay. I, uh, yeah, I like them. And, and, and you've, uh, you've had one of your favorite cards completely, uh, completely ruined for you. Yeah, I'm a little bit upset about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a long beard elder. It's, uh, yeah, but, it, you know, I'll, it's still going to be useful, I think. Still going to be useful, but yeah, I think... Well, I play him a lot, and I've been playing him correctly. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Yeah. All right, rub it in. <laughs> a, I play him a lot, and I've been playing him correctly. Yeah, I've been, I'm just, I was just thinking about all of those. I think I went through like a whole cycle using this yeah. Yeah. dwarf deck, and that was a real key component to it. So I'm really thinking... They, yeah, do they really count? Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah. Next time I do the um, dwarf-based thing, I'll well, uh, we're going through Dwarf Cycle, and actually, we've mentioned that when we looked at the player cards from what was it, Tactics, there weren't very many dwarf-centric cards in that in that collection. Here, I, there's a lot more. So maybe it's time to start putting our dwarf decks back together again, and you can. Uh, you can maybe redeem yourself a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll try. You know, I'll make another mistake somewhere else. <laughs> oh, I'm counting on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sarah's back again. 
I thought could go a whole episode. We were almost there uh, without him, but there he is. Don't forget me. <laughs> um, Absolute maniac. Maniac, that guy. Can't trust him. The more I learn about that guy, the less I like him. <laughs> the neuromancer. <laughs> um, Singing this spandau ballet. <laughs> Duran, Duran. Shooting that He's... poison arrow through my heart. <laughs> the mind okay right okay so as this is a non-spoilery episode we are going to have some of our regular parts of the show regular in adverted commas so regular i can't actually remember what we normally do we have a fact of the week okay now i was considering um fact of the week I was considering that maybe we could rattle through a few, but let's do one and see how it yeah, goes. Yeah, no, but that's what I, I, basically I was thinking. Oh, it's not going to take us long to go through these cards, so we'll have a bit of time at the end, and I could rattle through some facts. But actually, I think we've already outstayed our welcome. So let's see, because I wanted to get away from these ones which are specifically talking about enemies from the core set. <laughs> Um, so let's see where we are up to. Um, hmm. Hmm. Go on. Okay. Re- read it out. I'll read it. Let's I'll see. read it out. But okay. Question: If I cancelled the shadow effect on a card dealt to the Nazgul of Dolgador, <laughs> is the effect still considered to have resolved, making me discard a character? Okay. No. I think this is how we can do these facts. We can find a way. To make the question relevant. <laughs> what, by changing it? Well, no, by seeing... So what? what is the question really asking? Okay, so basically, if I remember correctly, um, you have to discard a character from play when the Nazgul, when its shadow is resolved from the Escape from Dogwador. Okay? Oh, okay. Right, yep. so this person is saying is when... when if you can uh, cancel that shadow, has it resolved? So does he have to discard it? So basically, we can look at this as do effects which relate to shadows, do they still trigger if you manage to get rid of that shadow card somehow or cancel it? Okay, it doesn't have to be anything to do. Depends. So what does resolved mean is the question. When it, yeah, yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) Because in my head, because you know what my feel for that is obviously you've got rid of that shadow card so it's fine it doesn't i think that's i think that's actually correct <gasps> get out i don't know it can't be it's got to be worst case okay what's, what's the answer answer no <laughs> it does go on <laughs> resolving an effect means that the effect triggered and resolved to the fullest extent possible no, I'm going to read that one more time. Resolving an effect means that the effect triggered means that the effect triggered. <laughs> and yeah, no, instead, yeah, it was the second bit that was more confusing. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, to its fullest possible extent, the fullest extent possible. Fullest extent possible. It's a very different meaning if you change enough <laughs> word. <laughs> what um, does that mean? Fullest possible extent. Um, so let's say. Uh, so let's say you, it does two damage yeah. right someone's only got one damage left so it does one damage he's dead yeah 
So it's resolved to the fullest extent possible, I guess. Well, no, it's only done one damage, not two. Yeah, so it's got done to the fullest extent possible. Ah, it means that... Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, well, well, we're just being pedantic here. What it means is if the shadow card actually triggers... Yeah. Then... It's resolved. Yeah, then that's counts. Yeah. But if it doesn't, if you cancelled it, then you're fine. Yeah. Uh, there's more. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Why? I don't, con- conciseness is not... <laughs> One of the plus points of the uh, of the fact and the rules. <laughs> Can- Go on then. Cancelling the effect will prevent the Nazgul of Dolgador's ability from triggering. Ah, that's good. See? That's good. That's oh, okay. Nice no, there's more. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> just, as if, just, as if the, just as if the card had no shadow effect to begin with. <laughs> yeah, because you cancelled it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Is that so, it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, good. So Fine. basically, I like that. Then, um, if you have a card which relates to a shadow effect, if X, Y, or Z happens, no, if X, Y, or Z happen, if X, Y, or Z happens in relation to a shadow card, if that shadow card is cancelled or removed, X, Y, or Z cannot happen. See, you managed to say that when you went from instead of saying Z, you said Z, and then it all fell yeah, into all place. Fell into so place. Yeah, correct. <laughs> So that's that, that's a bit like your guys being bounced back to the staging area. If you can faint that guy or whatever, then his shadow card doesn't get turned over, yeah. so therefore he can't possibly get bounced back. If you can find a way to remove that shadow card, um, the only time with your guy is that actually cancelling it makes no difference because it. Oh, now I'm going down a rabbit hole. You've answered the fact. <laughs> let's let's leave it. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it. It was a nice, clear, yeah. clean yeah. answer. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do it to yourself. Just, yeah. Don't start doing X, Y, Z. Don't start doing like, you know, you don't need to be doing simultaneous equations to, to, to solve it. <laughs> forget, I, forget I mentioned it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I, we're going to do one more. Because I can see that the one after this goes back to talking about sort of player cards. No, no, forget it. Forget let's it. Just, it's all over. One it's fact. all over the let's place. We're doing one fact. One, one fact. One fact a week. Yeah. <laughs> let's face it. We're going to run out of facts before the number of episodes. <laughs> and it's nice to think back about old yeah. dog No, but I think it is, it is useful to go, well, okay, how does that relate to other things? Because obviously this was asked during the release of the course yeah, of where course, there was yeah. nothing else so now it's like okay yeah this relates to this but that's actually true for many other uh examples yeah right uh okay so <laughs> so moving swiftly <laughs> away from okay away from the fact to our share the love section see it's all up there somewhere it's all up there. <laughs> um and this week is I'm it, it's not strictly no it's just, it is strictly a Lord of the Rings card game resource but it's not um it exists not in its own domain so I want just to point people towards the Reddit thread is that what they are on Reddit are they threads? Uh, I'll go with yes. <laughs> I don't know. There is a section of Reddit which is dedicated to Lord of the Rings, the card game. Now, I don't really use Reddit, but you can get to it by searching on Reddit to L-O-T-R-L-C-G. Now, 
there's two reasons why I'd like to point out. One, Reddit in general, I have found to be like the wild west of the internet. To me, it is more, tends to be more toxic than even Twitter. And that's saying something. But I, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that from what I've seen in the Lord of the Rings living card game community, it's a great resource. There's lots of people involved in it there. There's lots of back and forth of helping new players. And it looks to me at sort of initial glance as a really great place to hang out if you are um, starting out or indeed just want to join another Lord of the Rings, the card game community. Now, but this particular share the love is I would like to share the love with a specific listener of ours, which we don't often do. Um, But I'm going to give a big shout out to a listener of ours who goes by the screen name of uh, Snappy Tom on Board Game Geek. And I think on Reddit, it's just Snappy T, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's the same guy Um, because he has been flying the flag for us on Reddit. Uh, Every time we release a new episode, he completely off his own back goes out and informs that community that there's a new episode and sings our praises and just out of the kindness of his heart so out of the kindness of my heart and i'm sure em will agree with me here a heartfelt thanks to you and we would just like to share the love back to you so thanks snappy (laughs) yeah thanks snappy t yeah i think yeah it's, it's always nice to hear when there's you know people spreading the word i guess yeah and um, and it seems to me like this, like I said, this this section of Reddit seems like a really nice place to hang out with like-minded people if you don't want to get involved with the Board Game Geek forums and perhaps you've already got a, a uh, Reddit account. <laughs> you don't want to make another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, of course, there are lots and lots of um, fans of the show out there who do help spread the word. And I would like to say thanks to everyone, but I thought I would just like to highlight... Uh, snappy here because he's, he, he really has gone above and beyond the call of duty in helping us out on reddit yeah thank you snappy t what was his name on the other one sorry snappy tom snappy tom thank you snappy tom <laughs> much obliged <laughs> <laughs> um okay so that's uh so have fun reading reddit <laughs> I've, i don't really go on reddit myself on the odd occasion i've tried to look something up on reddit i've found that it just very quickly blocks me and asks me to sign in. Yeah. Which I find really annoying. It's just a bit like, uh, I need to find a way around that, but I haven't managed it yet. <laughs> but to be honest, I'm talking about like once every four months when I actually look something up on Reddit. So. Yeah, no, I tend to, I mean, I perhaps perhaps I'm giving it a bad rap here because I, I said it was toxic, but I tend to like read it for like in like poker related things and stuff like that. And, and I mean, maybe it's just the degenerate gamblers. <laughs> Which I think it, I think it depends on the forum because many years ago, yeah, who's moderating it and stuff as well. And many years ago, there were a couple of things, posts, threads, whatever they're called, pages on. I did look at, and one of them, I was only on, only had looked at it a couple of times because it was about, um, about the piano, just piano players. Mm. I thought, oh, this would be a good <laughs> resource. So I was trying to teach myself how to play piano, yeah. you know, self-taught and all that, and uh. Honestly, the the pure <laughs> abuse people would get on this thing without anyone hearing anyone else play, just making comments, just calling each other out. I just, I thought, this, 
just go and play some piano and chill out or something. So what the hell are you doing? And it's because everyone had to be right, you know. Yeah. Oh, this is the way you have to do it. No, no, you have to do it like this. And everyone had these really set views. I thought, oh god, this is horrific. So I stopped looking at that one very quickly. But the other one I was looking at, which was another music one, uh, was actually really nice. And everyone seemed to be very nice to one another. And if somebody did say something toxic or bad or whatever, they get called out on it. Mm. You know, oh, you can't be part of this. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> I think it was the, it wasn't music. I think it was the Twin Peaks ah. when The Return came out. Yeah. So it was the Twin Peaks one. That's what it was. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, everyone was very chilled out and nice on that one. So I think it does depend on the subject matter yeah. and and who's moderate. And I, I, the impression I get about, probably don't know as well as you, the community to this game generally seems really friendly and welcoming and most people have seemed pretty nice and chilled out to be perfectly honest from what i've you know the threads that i've read on you know yeah. i haven't looked about many but on like you know board game geek and the other resources or whatever that you've mentioned in the share to, uh, in the sharing the love sections and all that yeah it does seem to be a nice a nice community out there yeah. so yeah i'm sure that one will be yeah very nice too. yeah from what i've seen i, I think it's great so sign up <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, I think we better wrap things up. Um, it is great to be back. Um, if you would like to get in contact with us before we <laughs> before we record again, you've got a good chance. Um, <laughs> there are a few ways you can get in touch with us. Um, you can get in touch with us via Twitter. I mean, as I've said many times, we really do not post anything there apart from when a new episode comes out but if you do at me um i will respond and that is at later the rings you can email us directly which is later the rings at gmail.com and as we've mentioned several times there is the board game geek thread which as ever there will be a link to in the show notes so with that as i say it's great to be recording again and we hope to hope there's always hope fool's hope (laughs) Um, to record again relatively soon so thanks once again for listening and until next time take care out there and goodbye goodbye